episode of the She Ventures Now podcast. I'm your host, Gail Nicole, founder and coach of SheVenturesNow.com, where I help single millennial women level up in their career, their creativity, and their confidence. I am so energized to share with you all this interview that I did with Paul C. Brunson, mentor, entrepreneur, TV host, and world's most influential matchmaker. There is a saying that was told to me a long time ago called success leaves clues. And if there's anything I can say about Paul is he's constantly leaving clues. Paul has founded and exited three different businesses and currently shares his experiences through his online program called Knowledge Share. In this particular interview, I asked him to give his whole story, all of it, from the time he graduated college to where he's at right now, all of the different ways he's changed his career and the lessons he's learned along the way. And secondly, I asked him to address maybe his opinion of uh, the hangups that single women face and how they can overcome them. So listen in, take note, and be encouraged. Hey, Paul, how's it going? You know what's uh, you know what's crazy, but this is good. This is this is the this is this is the. Uh, the uh, what happens with technology? The moment you said, "Hey, Paul," your face froze. <laughs> is it really? Uh, it happens. Yeah, yeah it's, about it. it's. Is it back good. on now? Am I? You're, you're cool. You're cool now. Okay, cool. Well, I just wanted to welcome you to the She Ventures Now podcast, and really thank you for making the time. I have to say, I put your name up on a wall that said, "People I would love to connect with." Literally within a month's time, you became a speaker at the national at, at our uh, Fort Lauderdale Urban League. I got a chance to ask you a question, and then you somehow you were willing to do a podcast interview. So I just want to thank you because I mean you have to be you have to be willing to be a speaker. You have to be willing to do you know question and answers at the end of the times that you speak, and then making the time to do this. I appreciate that. It is my pleasure. And the moment that I found out you're Jamaican, I was like, okay, I, I, I do anything you ask now, anything. <laughs> Perfect. Well, listen, I know we only have a limited amount of time, but I want people who are followers of She Ventures Now podcast and listeners to know who you are and really what got me interested. And I'll, t- I'll start with this. I think you've updated your, your biography on your website a couple of times, right? Like in the last couple months, but there was a version that you had put up maybe like five years ago where you talk about how you got into college. Now, I'm sure, I'm not sure, hopefully I'm not making a mistake, but I really appreciated both versions, but that previous version, you kind of go into detail about how you like press to get your way into college. And then from there, the pivots that you made in your career to become a matchmaker. And then from there, the pivots you've made to now go into sort of life coaching, lifestyle coaching, mentoring. And what I want to do is just allow for a space for you to really tell your story because I feel like a lot of people can glean wisdom from what you've made, the career pivots you've made. So, cool. My, it's, I said this, this is my honor. You know, you you already know I love to talk. Yes, you. <laughs> and I love that you love to talk. Just talk about yourself for the next thirty minutes, please. Yes. Cool. Uh, but I tell you what, I'll try to keep keep me on target in terms of what you want me to say. But uh, I'll start with what you just mentioned that right that biography. And, and so what that was on my website is that I basically talked about how, uh, you know, high school wasn't an easy walk for me and I wasn't this academic and I wasn't, you know, considered to be someone who my teachers even thought I would go to college. Right. And it wasn't until college that I read my first book cover to cover. Right. And I say, ah, 
how do you get through high school without reading a book? But I, I never read cover to cover. You know, I would skim, I would use at that time Cliff Notes. But it wasn't until college that I read the first book cover to cover. Matter of fact, it's right look, there. You know, I, let me let me grab it real quick. Look, look, look at it. Yes. This this is the first book. book I ever read cover to cover right here. This is Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun by Reginald Lewis. And I'll tell you the quick story on this is so I was in the bookstore with my then girlfriend who now has turned into my wife. Yeah. And she was in there because she was picking up a book for school. Yeah. I was in there just because I was dating her and I was just trying to, you know, hang with her. That was it. <laughs> and we, that was it, just trifling, right? And we were going to the movies afterwards and she went to like one side of the bookstore and I went to the other and I'm just walking around, you know, and then I see this book. Yeah. This guy smiling and he has a cigar in his hand and he's got this immaculate suit. And it just stood out to me. Wow. Look at this black man mm-hmm. with this bar suit. Because at this time it was all, you know, the wealthiest black men I knew were hip hop stars. Or yeah. athletes. Mm-hmm. I really, I had never seen a, a businessman like this. And then the title, why should white guys have all the fun? So the moment I saw that, I picked up the book and I started flipping through it and I ended up buying the book. And within three days, I'd read the book cover to cover. The book changed my life. It sent me on a whole new trajectory. And and really, and the reason why I underscore this book so much is because this guy went to Harvard without taking the LSAT. Right, Harvard Law without taking the LSAT, which wow. that in itself is, at, and, and you know, at the time of his death, early 1990s, he was worth a little north of 400 million dollars, right? Which is incredible to be worth that much. He was one of the wealthiest people in the world at that time. How did he do it? He did it off of discipline, right? Here was a guy who said, "I'm not the most talented. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the most charismatic. I'm not any of those things." Yeah. Where I can make a difference is in discipline. I could be disciplined. And that's exactly what he did. And that's exactly what he taught me. And that's how I began to shape my life. So I, I use, basically, his life was about three things. Yeah. His life was about discipline. Yeah. It was about uh, mentorship and mentoring others. Mm-hmm. And it was about studying and reading. So I've now shaped my entire life around those three disciplines. Discipline, wake up at 4 a.m. every morning. Uh, I speak now, on average, I'm speaking once a week, and I try to uh, uh, schedule the speaking as early as possible because my bedtime is 9 p.m., which a lot of people are like, Paul, you go to bed at 9 p.m.? Yeah, I'm in bed like at 8.30, but uh, but I'm in bed at 9 so that I can wake up, and when I wake up at 4, I spend the first two hours reading, you know, then I'm working out. You know, I have a a very... Yes, thank you, uh, Day. And then in terms of mentoring, I view my life as, you know, I've had all of these experiences and we all have these incredible experiences. And what makes us so unique is that we all have unique experiences, right? The experiences that you've had are unlike the experiences that I've had. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes you different, but the different is what makes you special. And so what I look at my life as is, okay, I have these special experiences. It's my goal to share those. Yeah. So I'm trying to, you know, leave this world empty 
which is why I wanted to do this for you and why, you know, you, my whole goal is, is let me, let me leave this, this world empty because life is really, in my mind, it's about impact, yeah. how much impact, you know, we can give. So that, so that's, that's the, um, you know, that's the mentorship, you know, and then in terms of the reading, we're sitting here, this is, this is the first, this is our, the library in our house. I see. It's a lovely one too. I think you had posted when you moved there, how you were building it out and how excited you were. It was, it was a joy to see. All right. So I want to peel back some layers because someone who's specializing in career coaching, I find it fascinating how people make strategic pivots to actually do the life or live the life that they want to live and be the person they feel called to be. So for you, knowing that you love to make an impact and mentor and you wanted a lifestyle where you're reading and having this, this regimen where you can take in as much as you can and grow as much as you can, but also give as much as you can. How do, that, so for some people, I think for the average person, there's a longer commute than just saying, I just want to be this and I can do this now, right? So I want to hear just a little bit about those key pivots in your career because you were an investment analyst, I, I understand, and then you became a matchmaker. And of course, I'm not going to have your whole story down, but investment analyst, matchmaker, and now sort of, uh, TV, well, you've always been doing media, but if you can explain the biggest things or reasons why you had to change or pivot. Gotcha. And you're right. I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been a professional now working for almost 19 years. So it's, it's, it's been, it's been a long road. Like, <laughs> yeah. And you're right. There have been a lot of pivots along the way. So many pivots that you know, people will look at me and say, oh, man, are you just a job hopper? Like, what are, what are you doing here? Do people actually say that to you, though? <laughs> Not anymore. But okay. they say that. They were like, oh, you have so many, so many careers. Like, this is crazy. Because it's not just jobs. Like, you just said it. I was investment banker. From investment banking, I actually went into for-profit education. Right. And I went to the nonprofit education space. Then I went back to investing. Then I became a matchmaker. Then I added on media. Then I started advising startups. Like, it's like crazy, all of these things. But here's what it's all about, in my mind. Right. All is, it is all about, this is crazy. Like, I'm, this was not planned, but right here next to me, it's in a pile. Go this for it. Boom, 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 boom. boom. <laughs> Cal Newport. Cal Newport. So good they can't ignore you. Actually, uh, he wrote two books. These are his two books. Uh, mm -hmm. I recommend, highly recommend everybody. So Good They Can't Ignore You is one book. Deep Work is the other book. But So Good They Can't Ignore You was a, was a game changer for me. And it cements uh, this, this really the answer to your question. So life, to me, is about acquiring skills. Mm. This is what it's about. And if you talk to anybody, anyone listening to your podcast, anybody watching this, right, anybody who has full autonomy at their job and lots of impact. And when I say full autonomy, it means that they're not, uh, you know, punching in a clock. Their, their boss isn't on top of them. Where are you going? Where are you going? You know, how long are you going to take that break? Like if you have complete autonomy, the commonality is that you also have great skills. And here's the opposite of that. If you are punching in the clock, if you, if your boss is on top of you, if you have no autonomy, it means that you don't have, you haven't mastered your skills. And so Ooh, ultimately life, right? Career, should I say, it's about acquiring skills mm 
Right. And not just acquiring lots of skills. It's about acquiring a select number of skills right. and becoming the best in the world at those skills. Yeah. For me, going from investment banking to maybe education to uh, TV to matchmaking, you look at those and you say, those are four or five different careers. But to me, they were all just manifestations of being able to perfect my communication skills. Right. That's really what I was trying to perfect all along, right? My ability to convey ideas and subjects, right? Communication. My point here is that if you can figure out how you can master your skills and then you, you can become the best in the world at those skills. Like there's 7.5 billion people in the world. So I'm saying become like the top 10% of people who exhibit those skills. Then you'll have high autonomy in your job. And okay. it's the autonomy that's going to lead you to impact. And it's the impact that's going to lead you to, you know, is going to lead you to, to, to changing lives. So it's really about skills. That's the key. I love it. It reminds me of what you're talking about. Reminds me of, um, oh my gosh, he wrote a book called uh, Drive. I, don't, I forget his name, Daniel. Daniel, he also wrote Free Agent Nation. <clears throat> and he just talks about how the main thing people are looking for is not more money, but autonomy, creativity, and mastery in the things yeah. that they love. So it's, it's such a great reminder because I think a lot of times people are hung up I think we get into the weeds about career and we think th this job needs to be, every job needs to be the consummate reflection of who we are and our worth. But we forget like, no, what is, how do you form your career around what you want? You know, how do you choose a job around what your ultimate desires are of impact or of lifestyle, et cetera. So that's really good to hear. Um, what I wanted to do too is now shift to more of your matchmaking experience. I want to get some juicy juice out of you and from your expertise. Um, I know that you sold your, your uh, agency, correct? Was this recent? This is like, how long ago? It was uh, August of 2016. So, okay. so yeah, so a year ago, a year ago. How does it feel to have sold your business? Just, just to get that out of you, how does it feel? Uh, it, it feels like a stress reliever. <laughs> <laughs> Was that on your book? That's like, was that on your bucket list though? To have had, to have had a business and sold it though? Yeah. Well, that was my the third business that I've, I've, uh, I've, I've launched and sold. Okay. Um, but it, it was more of the successful is more of the successful one. Um, because you know, it's still up and running and you know, all right. those, uh, but, um, but it was, I mean, it, it was, it, it was, it's, it's great. It, it's great from, from a whole bunch of standpoints. One is, from a monetary standpoint, right. say, hey, there was an asset that I built up that had value and I was able to you know, get the value out of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The second is that we had different uh, opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, we could have sold, there were some very big celebrity names that we could have sold the, uh, the agency to, but we ended up selling it to the person who was one of my first interns, who then- hey climbed up the ladder, you know, in, in our company, it was only 12 of us, but climbed up the ladder in our company, became basically our director of operations. And she and her fiance, now husband, they were able to put together the financing for it. So to know that it, it went to someone like that is awesome because, you know, it's like that, that, what, that was beyond her dream. Because cause here's, here's a cool thing about uh, the person we sold it to is, when she became my intern, like eight years ago, 
she had a matchmaking agency. Ah. And she, her, she had she she was running her matchmaking agency longer than my matchmaking agency, but she couldn't grow it. She couldn't, you know, she couldn't get any size out of it. So she took the risk and said, you know what? I'm going to close down my agency and I'm going to go intern. So I'm not going to even get paid and I'm going to go work for this guy who's, who's doing something with his business. Right. She then moved from intern to then matchmaker to then paid matchmaker to then lead matchmaker to then director of operations to now owner of a company that is much larger than the company yeah. that she started with. So that to see that that whole evolution is 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 really dope. Remarkable. Really. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. So I want to get your expertise because again on the She Ventures Now platform, the podcast series I've been doing before, I've been interviewing lots and lots of single women on emotionally healthy singleness, taking care of themselves while they're learning how to date. Long story short, really wanted to get your opinion about um, and. It, because you also wrote the book, it's complicated, but it doesn't have to be changing lives still. <laughs> um, I really wanted to hear your opinion on what do you think are the main hangups for, especially single women in their 30s, upper 40s maybe. And I don't know if how much you had clientele that were female or if you had only male clientele, but could you speak to that? Like your number one advice to single women. Got you. Uh, well, we did. Uh, most of our 80% of our clients were women and okay. probably 90% were in that age range that, that you just mentioned. Wow. So that was, that was our, uh, but here's the thing I would push back and I would try to reframe. So my best advice is to try to reframe. The question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why I say reframe the question is because I get this question all the time, a lot, like, like a lot, right? And what I've noticed is that we have, we being society, we've done a really good job in splintering different groups. Okay. Single women who are 30s in their late <laughs> Or it's the single black women who are in their 30s, 40s. It's the, the, the white men who are in their 50s, right? We, we, put, we, we try to segregate all these True. groups. And when we label the, the groups, what we end up doing is we end up empowering some and, and, yeah. and ultimately, relationships are hard everywhere. Everywhere in the world, there is a battle on love. There is a fight against love. Everywhere in the world, you're seeing the number of divorces go up. You're seeing the infidelity going up. You're seeing, uh, you know, the belief around should we get married dropping. Like, everywhere around the world, this is happening. Right. Does it happen disproportionately, like to, to certain groups? Yes, it does, but it's not so far out that we should be breaking out the, the people. So my pushback is to reframe, but yeah. my pushback also is to say, okay, let's reframe. Let's also accept that th there's a whole, there's a, an attack on love across across the planet, right? Yeah. And let's also let's also look at okay. So, do we know that there are Black women, black men, white women, white men who are of all age ranges who are still getting married at high rates and, and their divorce rates are incredibly low. Do you know what group that is? No, I don't. This is the group that nobody wants to talk about. There's certain commonalities. So I say, let's, let's examine that. So who's the group? I like that. 
Yeah. Have two things in common. They are the wealthiest and the most educated. Mm. The wealthiest people in the world. And when I say wealthy, I'm talking about, you know, in order to be wealthy in the United States, like upper middle class, is you have annual salary of about $100,000, right? And, mm. and everybody's claiming to be six figures, right? Everyone, you go on to Instagram, everyone says, oh, I'm making six figures. But, but, but in actuality, very few people are, right? right. So I'm talking about people who are, uh, you know, making, making over 100K and people who are well-educated. So graduate degree and higher. On average, those folks are still getting married at the same rates that they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. That's and the rates are, are the, the same as they were 20, 40 years ago. Now, why is that? That's, the, that's where we have to start to examine. Like, why is it that this group, no matter what age you are, no matter what ethnicity you are, no matter what gender you are, that you are still upholding this institution of marriage and why is it crumbling for everybody else and what i would implore your listeners and watchers to do is to think about that i mean i have my own theories around that um but it's more important for everyone listening and watching to come up with their you know why they think that's the case so my long-winded very political pushback answer I appreciate the pushback because I, especially being someone that appreciates coaching, appreciates intuition, appreciates um, causing us to think deeper about the reasons that, that, uh, that we have resistance towards love. I feel like you even, I think you're, you're causing us, you're causing me, at least you're challenging me to really think deeper about, you know, not just the symptoms, but like, what are the root causes of, of love not happening more or, or when love flourishes, look at the commonalities of those people that have love flourishing in their lives. So that's, that's really good. Thank you. Is there a report that's out that kind of gave that stat for you to be able to talk about it so quick, like off the drop of a beat, you know? Yeah, so the, what you, that was a brilliant question that you just asked. There is not one report. That's what makes this so hard, is that all of this research is coming in piecemeal. It's not between yeah. top 10 blog post that gives this type of uh, research. So what, so what we have to do is that we have to be, we have to be diligent about this research. Now, where can, you, where, can you, uh, where can you begin to research that? You know, uh, Google all of the love pe- or all of the uh, marriage pieces in the Atlantic. The Atlantic, <laughs> like intellectual, but it, 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 it distills the information. Also, Pew Research. Really- That's what I was gonna say, Pew Research Center. Um, I know that they have a lot of stuff on culture, career change, all of that stuff is what I've been researching on, but I haven't looked into them for love and relationship yet. Yep. So Pew Research, and, and I'll tell you too, the only reason why I probably was able to readily talk about that is because there's a project that I've been working on uh, around the marriage rate in the black community. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, and, and that's been in, in play for, you know, like two years. So this is a subject that I'm always reading about, uh, but it's out there. Definitely. Yeah. Paul, that's a perfect segue. Do you want to talk about the project? Because you guys have an inaugural event coming up in like two weeks or in a week and a half. Yeah, there, there, there's so much. Like, I'm so Jamaican with my life. Like, I really do. Have, <laughs> like, 
like eight, nine, ten things happening. Boy, at least at least three different things going on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm so I'm so excited. But I'll I'll tell you. Actually, I have to start with the Jamaica project. I don't know if you know about this. I don't know if I, I know either. About this, uh, I drop one small thing on Instagram, but it's what I spend probably most of my day. No, maybe uh, a, a large part of my day on is uh, so uh, I'm building a school in Jamaica. No way. What, what parish? It, well, it's going to be in Kingston. Okay. Right on Hope Road. Okay. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's, it's a partnership with the government of Jamaica. So it was signed okay. by the Prime Minister of Jamaica. Uh, and what makes this so huge is that it's an, I have an option to build up to 17 in Jamaica. 17 schools. Beautiful. That is really beautiful. And so this is a partnership between uh, my former boss, Mr. Ugel, uh, the Jamaican government, and uh, and it's 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 huge. It's it's like it's a it's a really big deal. And, and just, uh, so so that is going. Uh, we we will probably have a ribbon cutting on the first school. Uh, well, I don't want to give the date, but very soon, uh, very soon. But um, but that is uh that that's it's 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 major. So we've got that going on. Um, I, uh, obviously I've launched a project that is very near and dear to my heart called Knowledge Share, which yes. is a new community that I'm building. Uh, I think we are 10 days old and we have nearly 700 members of Knowledge Share right now. And yeah. that's why I'm teaching these, uh, skills, right? Every, every two weeks. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Uh, we have, uh, for TV projects, uh, a bunch of stuff, uh, uh, a show that I, I executive produced for ABC is coming back to air in February. Uh, there's a show on Lifetime called Date Night Live that comes back in January. Uh, you know, so there's lots of, you know, TV stuff that, uh, that, that we're working on. But the project that you are referring to is a very, very important project. And that is called BLIP, Black Love Industry Professionals. It is a uh, professional organization that I co-founded with G. Sanders, who bought the uh, matchmaking agency. Uh, we co-founded that about a year, year and a half ago, somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, but our very first inaugural event is coming up in Washington, D.C. And this organization is about changing the narrative around Black love. There's nice. this stigma that's been presented in media that Black love is like um, not, a, not, not the best thing you know, not the healthiest. Wow. You know, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to reshape that imagery. Yeah. And we have matchmakers, date coaches, we have counselors, we have bloggers, we have yeah. everyone in the space, like are, are members of this group. And so uh, our, our first event's coming up in DC, which is, which is going to be awesome. So lots of stuff. Just trying to stay busy. Yeah. No, I appreciate you so much. And I really do want to stay um, respectful of your time. And I'm very, very excited about the project in Jamaica and all of your media outlets that you have coming up. Um, I just really appreciate you. And I just really want to say thank you. Thank you for being so generous, being such a generous soul with all that you share on IG. You don't have to do that and yet you prioritize it. And I think that, um, I think a lot of people who follow you, uh, have a lot to be grateful for just because you're really setting the bar so high and helping us to be our best selves all the time. And I even appreciate you challenging some of the questions that I threw at you in this conversation. It's good. It's good. So thank you.
you, you, you are welcome. And can I, can I thank you for something? Can I, can I, can I put you on the hot seat real quick? <laughs> sure. But this is, this is a positive hot seat is that, um, so as I get older, I realize that I, my patients get shorter. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I was at a, in a, in a, in a zone a couple of years ago where I said, I'm just trying to help everybody. Like I want to help everybody. I want to help the world. But as I get older, I said, no, I'm only helping folks who really want to help themselves. I, you know, I, that's where I feel like, like my gift is, is if you have already, you're already on the path, right. And on, on the come up path, I, I think I can, I can, you know, help you uh, most. And what I will say is that I don't just give my time and energy to everyone, but I want to talk about quickly why I want to support you in particular and why I have been, why I wanted to do this and why it's because of, you know what you exhibit, what I believe most people should be doing when they're trying to connect and build a rapport with someone. And, and, I, and I, it's funny, I just talked about this on IG yesterday, but I just want to rehash this real quick is because when we met at the, um, at, uh, in Florida, right? When, when, we were, when we were talking in Florida, when I was down there last, when I was speaking with the Urban League, there were distinct things that you did that not everyone did who have, who, who, who have attempted to build a rapport with me. And I want to tell you the things you did and why it, it resonated. Because I think a lot of folks can learn from this. So the first is that you really did address me by name. You were like, Paul, right? This is very important. This, <laughs> this seems to be very basic, but this is so important because our name is the most beautiful word in, in our, you know, in our lexicon. Language, yeah. Everything, right? You use my name, right? This is, this, is, this is super basic, but this is very important. That's one, right? Very, very simple thing. Secondly is you told me, and you've actually done this, on this, on, on this uh, in this interview. Uh, you, did it in, 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 you did it in email, and then you also did it in person when we were talking is you talked about how certain things I've done have impacted how you either live your life or have shaped your career. And how you have made certain changes based on these things, right? That is the highest form of flattery. There's this whole myth that imitation is the highest form of flattery. It's not. Wow. Imitation is theft. Don't do it, y'all. It's theft, right? <laughs> but what is the highest form of flattery is when you are yeah. executing on what someone else has said. Like you're taking their words and their lessons and you're actually executing on them. The fact that you do that, you've done that consistently in our conversations. I mean, even, I even know that you talk to G. How do I know that you talk to G? Because G messaged me. She was like, oh man, I talked to, she's she, um, someone that you recommended. Oh yeah, she was great. I loved her. She was, right? The <laughs> fact that you followed up, you followed through, all of those things suggest to me that you were someone who was credible, right? Someone who, uh, you know, just, just someone who was a good person, right? Because there's just evil people out, out here, right? So that, that's the second thing. That, that's, that's very, very, very important. The third is that you have not, I mean, you, you haven't asked for anything from me, right? Where a lot of people have, you know, it's like, like I'll meet them. I was speaking actually last night. Wait, what's today? No, no, two, two nights ago. <laughs> Wait, hold, yeah, no, last night was Halloween. Two nights ago. I was speaking in Richmond, Virginia, 
uh, at the with the Urban League in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. I've already had five, six emails of people asking me, Paul, can you review this for me? Can you do this for me? Can you do this? Right. Your what you did and what you have done was, Paul, what can I do to help you? Right. So even today, you, you open up today with, OK, Paul. Yeah, yeah, I know this is your this is your your podcast. But you were you said basically, Paul, I want to give you the platform for 30 minutes. Talk about yourself. What what, what are you doing? Right. You're essentially saying, I want to help you help introduce you to my community. So you're trying to help me. So you've been about what can you do to help me? This is very, very important for everyone to grasp because to build rapport with someone, you want to give to them, give to them, give to them, give to them in a very unreciprocal way, right? And so the fact that you have given, right? Not asking, but given. The fact that you have executed on things that I have talked about, right? And the fact that you just use my name, right? These three small things are things that, make me want to support you even more. And I, and I believe that if your listeners, people you know, listening to this, if they also execute that same way with people that they're attempting to build a relationship with, they'll be able to build much, much stronger relationships. And relationships are, are really everything. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Pause. Mm-hmm. Who is not using your name, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can... I can pull up messages right now of people, no salutations. They're just like, hey, or hi, you know, but no name. No, I appreciate you. I respect you. I wish you so much the best, so much more um, favor, just everything, everything to come. And I really thank you for taking the time to encourage me in that and affirm that. Because a lot of times I'm always like, I don't think I network well. <laughs> but it's so affirming to hear Paul say, wow. You're you're doing good. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's all I have for you today, friends. If you're interested in leveling up in your career, creativity, or your confidence, schedule a free consultation at SheVenturesNow.com.